1: This episode is brought to you by Wishmaker, India's fastest growing online casino. Sign up on wishmaker.com slash podcast and start playing today. Hello and welcome back to Heart on My Sleeve. This is Mancha Kaur and I'm so happy to have you back on my show. This week's guest is Dr. Anjali Huda armed with an M.D. in internal medicine, a fellowship in obesity medicine and clinical nutrition. Trained in metabolic and functional medicine and epigenetics, her list of qualifications makes her one of the leading specialists in her field. Dr. Anjali medically helps people lose weight, reverse diabetes and thyroid disorders. She's co-founded a health and wellness platform called Live Nutri Fit. And over and above all of this, she also recently authored her first book, Think, Eat, Live Smart. So all in all, you can expect a lot of actionable tips and wisdom to not only help you get into great shape, but to also help you build up much-needed immunity during this pandemic. She shares the pros and cons of popular diets, busts food myths, talks about building a healthy body image, all while maintaining a charming sense of humor. So without any further delay, here's Dr. Anjali. Hi, how are you? Fine, going on lockdown as (laughs) we all are. What have your last two months been like? It's been hectic with the house, with the kids, with everyone on your head. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to start off this conversation on the note of, I think generally when people think about health and they think about fitness, the first thing that comes to mind is a number on their weighing scale. But from what I understand, I follow your posts online and I've come across your book and all of that. You do not follow that line of thinking. So I want to ask you, what does a healthy relationship with food look like? A lot of times
0: when we are looking at a number on a scale, it's generally many things, you know, it's water, it's bone, it's muscle, it's fat, there's so many things. So just a number on the scale will never define how fit or healthy you are. Yeah. For me, I think when people are trying to do any kind of diet or any kind of a food regimen change, I think it should be more sustainable rather than doing just a few days of keto or a few days of low carb or a few days of the GM motor diet. You know, all those were made for very temporary losses, and this is not a sustainable method my understanding of uh, the science because I have myself tried all these things and I always feel that people who restrict some of their macronutrients will always end up doing something called binge eating at some point. Yeah. So sustainable is the key to maintain a good body weight and relationship with food doesn't mean guilt. It mm-hmm. should not mean happiness. It should mean hunger is done with You are feeling normal, you're feeling active, and you have good sleep. So, food relationships should not go beyond this.
1: And that's a very good point because what you just mentioned obviously, we all recognize the fact that stress eating and all of those things are negative emotions. But something that not many of us acknowledge is that when we eat during the happy times, you know, when we treat ourselves, when something good happens, that is also an unhealthy pattern because anytime we start associating food with feeling good because every time there's a good thing that happens a promotion a graduation a birthday we go all out so that's really important and do you think that this is something that needs to be built from very early on not associating food with highs and lows absolutely this has to be coming from childhood i remember when we
0: were young something went wrong or we were weeping or crying about something, our parents would give us candy or, you know, any Mithai or something to make us feel better because of, there's a surge of endorphins temporarily. So most of us started associating that if we are feeling sad, you know, we go into that nostalgic phase of yeah. making food as something that is going to make you feel happy. So those associations are formed in childhood and I think uh, we should really not, do this with our kids a reward for anything should not be food i mean especially not something which we know that is not gonna be healthy for us later on
1: no very true the next thing and it's pretty much in line with what we just spoke about being thin doesn't necessarily mean that you're healthy and being healthy doesn't necessarily mean that you're thin so what is your take on all of this if you are at a
0: normal weight or a normal BMI, even though you may look thin or fat, it doesn't matter. You know, some people can be a little bulky, but fitness is not from the size. It's basically the chemical reactions going on in your body. There is something called a skinny fat. People yeah. who are skinny, but actually their visceral fat, which is the fat around the organs, is high. So those skinny fat people are actually even more prone to getting diabetes or fatty liver than people who could be muscular and have less belly fat. So visually or even measurably, it doesn't necessarily mean that if you're a certain size, you're going to be unhealthy or healthy. I've seen a lot of people with high BMIs being very healthy, but that BMI is accounting for, as I said, muscle, is water weight, is bone weight. So some people are just, you know, there are different kind of body structures. Yeah. But the body size does not define your health at all.
1: So what does define your health? How do you know?
0: You get signals from your body example of somebody who's diabetic and doesn't know so they'll have more urination they'll have more thirst they'll be eating more than usual if you're getting signals like this for example i don't sleep well i i have pain in my joints i don't feel like waking up in the morning or i'm too sleepy during the day you know those are the signals that you have to read about your body to know that okay something is wrong you know, you don't poop daily. You, um, your urine is yellow. Those basic things, you know, that we should know about our body and we should try and read the signals. Body will tell you that it's not feeling well. And we kind of keep ignoring, we'll pop in a painkiller, we'll move on with our lives. So that's something that we need to keep an eye on.
1: Okay, yeah, that's really important because even for me, so I'm pretty much on the lowest end of the (laughs) BMI scale for my height. But what happened was that I'm not prone to acne and I started breaking out randomly when I was 24 or so. And luckily, my dermatologist pointed out that I actually have insulin resistance and it's not something that's commonly spoken about in India. But I would have never realized, you know, looking at my weight or any of that, I would have never thought that I, at this stage, had something that could potentially lead to a more serious health issue later on when I'm in my 40s. But people don't generally listen to the signals that their body gives them though, do they?
0: Yeah, no, so see, acne is a very good signal. Telling you about insulin resistance. Now, acne is the first sign of prediabetes. A lot of people think it's hormonal. So it's not hormonal per se, it's generally an insulin which is going here and there. So these are signs that look some people have hair loss, some people will have, you know, dry eyes. Some people will have pigmentation on the skin. So those are the little little signs that we need to watch out for.
1: Okay. So moving on to the next thing, you mentioned how people get on these numerous diets like keto, intermittent fasting. There's so many different things that are out there in the world and it keeps changing. Every year, there are five or six new things that come out. So according to you, what are the biggest cons of the ones that are at least prevalent today? And of these, is there any best diet or like we spoke about a little earlier, is moderation and portion control key okay so keto is nothing new it is
0: just i think it came to india and there was a way keto has been a very old diet so going to the downside of keto downside of keto is it's not sustainable Hmm. okay you have a cultural life you have a life where like we said food is given so much importance you cannot possibly remain in keto for a prolonged period of time, you will have to break it because we don't live in a cave. You know, it's a caveman diet. We don't live in a cave. Yeah. We live in an environment where there is alcohol, where there is uh, desserts all the time. So sustainability of keto is very low. Plus, another downside of the diet is people are doing keto and yet they keep on breaking it. They will end up gaining weight. Okay. They'll end up having problems rather than, you know, losing the weight or whatever they're trying to achieve. Third problem with keto is there is this misnomer of too much protein being eaten. So a lot of keto diets which are given online or people who are not really educated to give keto or monitor someone's kidney functions, they will end up giving more protein than fat. So that way what happens is somebody whose baseline kidney functions are not known and we're bombarding them with too much protein, we can have problems. So I'm not saying everybody will have problems, but somebody with a baseline kidney function. Those are not the downsides of the diet, but these are the things associated, which may give a bad rap to this diet down the line. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be done on your own. The diet per se doesn't have any downside in the long run, but the things associated around it are the problems i see and then you go to something called it intermittent fasting yeah intermittent fasting is a beautiful way to maintain your health it's a great way to actually remain fit and have less issues because most of the issues that we have is through food but at the same time people who are doing intermittent fasting sometimes are not knowing that they have to take certain medications then, or they are diabetic or there are some painkillers some people take and then you're fasting, you might get gastritis. So these are the things around the diet that people are not taking care of. Now going to 24-hour fasting. Now, 24-hour fasting, 48-hour fasting. Again, is not a bad method. It's a very old ancient method of Indians to do fasting. But again, people will not take care of the fact that when they're fasting, they're not supposed to be running in heat. They're supposed to conserve their water. They're supposed to conserve their nutrients. But you have to be careful. If you're going to do something drastic, first of all, it's a drastic measure. Fasting is not easy. It's a drastic measure. If you want to do it, you do it carefully. You need to conserve your energy.
1: Yeah, okay. But do you still prefer or rather do you still think that somebody going about changing their lifestyle through moderation and portion control? Do you think that's the more sustainable answer and that's the better way? Or if one is to do any of these three that we spoke about and they do it with somebody who knows what they're talking about, somebody like you, that is equally good.
0: Depends. So people are generally very sick, so they're obese or they have uncontrolled diabetes or they have uh, rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune conditions. So when those people come to me and I tell them to eat in moderation, it doesn't work initially because they need to get down to a certain level to maintain. So when you're maintaining or when like a person like you is living a life, you could do a moderate diet and portion control. And yes, that's the perfect way. Someone like me, I can still do a moderation portion. Everything is good. But when you're at a, You know, high level of illness, those take drastic measures because otherwise what will happen is you do moderate and portion control to these people, then they will not change for next five years. You know, it'll keep on going slowly and they kind of lose patience with that. And also their body needs to come back to a good harmony level of their own. So sometimes these measures have to be taken initially and then we kind of put the patients on cruise mode and that's how everybody should live actually. Moderate and portion control.
1: The important takeaway is that if you are somebody who does need that drastic, or drastic is in the right word, then that large amount of weight loss, and they do have all of these other health issues, going to somebody who can guide them through it and not relying on the internet is the important thing to remember. Moving on from this itself, this is a stressful time, and I think a lot of us are prone to stress eating. So, we spoke about eating when you're happy, but eating when you're stressed out is a big thing. What are a few of the ways that one can avoid that or control stress eating?
0: The easiest
1: way to do it is hydrating yourself.
0: And a lot of people are not very water friendly. You know, They don't want to drink water. So then I'll tell them have infusion water or have herbal teas or have a non-caloric beverage. You know, it could be a cold brew coffee. It could be anything. You know, you need to hydrate yourself. When we are talking about unnecessary eating, stress eating. Hydration is the key because the brain does not realize the difference between hunger and thirst. There's a very, very thin line over there. And then eating something that makes you full is better rather than gorging on carbohydrates, which will make you more hungry. So I would rather go for something which is higher in good fats, something like a nut butter and something with high fiber, like a fruit or a vegetable sticks or something like that. So it keeps you full for a longer period of time. So eating simple carbs like toast, biscuits, cookies, they're not going to help. So stress eating can totally be avoided by these.
1: During this phase, there is seemingly little that we can do to protect ourselves against this pandemic. We can obviously take a few measures. We can take basic precautions and all of that. But the one thing that we can work on, and I saw that you've done a few videos on that on your Instagram handle, is improve our immunity. Improving immunity, you first have to start eating well. You have to start sleeping well. You have to move.
0: These basics, and I always tell people, it doesn't come in a bottle. It never comes in a bottle. It is a lifestyle. So if somebody is already diabetic, you know, people with diabetes, obesity or with some kind of chronic condition, they're more prone to having lower immunity status than others. To improve immunity, you have to first make sure that your, these things are always sorted. And then you make sure that you are having the right minerals and the vitamins that you should be having, like vitamin D, vitamin C, zinc, folic acid, you know, these kind of things, those are important for your body. Vitamin D being the most important right now. A lot of people are popping in vitamin C, like which seems totally not even necessary. First of all, 500 milligram or low dose vitamin C does not help anyone. That much can come from your fruits and vegetables. So what you need to actually focus is on vitamin D because we don't have vitamin D fortified foods in this country so vitamin d is definitely one of the biggest immunity builders which we should consider then talking about you know some other vitamins like zinc we talk about minerals like folic acid magnesium apart from that what is easily available in our kitchen closet is turmeric is there use of ghee is important you know you should throw the refined oils totally because it is very very anti-inflammatory omega-3 fatty acids are important having protein in your diet is important basic exercising and meditation relaxation decreasing of stress somehow those are immunity builders adaptogens like tulsi and ashwagandha easy easy immunity builders and of course Avoiding junk food in itself is a big immunity builder. So I think when you talk about immunity, it's never from a bottle. It has to be a lifestyle that I keep stressing out. You know, we can't be having lack of sleep and stress and eating junk food and then think of just consuming one immunity booster from a bottle. That, that's not going to help at all.
1: So for a lot of these things that you mentioned, like say, for example, zinc, folic acid, all of those things, do they need to be prescribed or can one just take the minimum dosage? One can
0: take a minimum dosing. There's an RDA requirement, so you can take a minimum dosing. I would say that if you are suffering from flu, then only zinc is important. But I forgot to mention green tea is very good during this period. A couple of cups of green tea would be very good because green tea actually inhibits the viral replication. The compound in green tea is very, very beneficial at this point.
1: Okay, good. I've been having a lot of green tea, so I have like four or five cups a day.
0: (laughs) Can I burst this little bubble
1: (laughs) Much green tea is actually
0: not a great thing because some people can get hepatic impairment. So oh, you yeah. know, liver dysfunction. Really? Too much green tea. Two to three cups is fine. Fine, I will
1: rectify that. Yeah, you
0: could have herbal teas though. You know, like the flower teas, jasmine, hibiscus, and chamomile. Those are the good flower teas.
1: You obviously published your book last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, last year. And so for all of those, if you are listening in, it's called Think, Eat, Live Smart. For anyone who wants to purchase this book, what should they expect from the book? What are the topics that you focused on? See, I focused on a lot of
0: patient stories. So there are case scenarios in there, which you may be able to identify with. Then there's basic information about What are the foods that are high in sugar? What are glycemic index foods? There's a little bit about how to manage and balance your hormones. There's a big chapter on supplements. Like what kind of exercise one should do? The calorie burn or what kind of results do you expect from what exercise? There are some sweet little recipes at the end. I think 10 of them, which can be made at home.
1: And this is a great time to read something like that where all of us are for the first time. Definitely taking our health more seriously than we ever have before. So for anyone who wants to buy a book, where can they purchase it? Yeah, it's available on Amazon. Okay.
0: So we generally give a copy free to our patients.
1: Like we just mentioned, the pandemic has sort of forced us all to take our health seriously, to take another look at our lifestyle. People who've been smoking through and through have been looking for ways to quit smoking. Other people who have really bad sleep cycles are again looking at their sleep cycle. So there's so many things that, especially because now that we're at home and we have so much time to microanalyze our life. So we're realizing bits that we've ignored or left out. So for somebody who for the very first time is looking to change their lifestyle, where should they start? I think basics should be starting. They should have some movement Hmm. definitely in
0: their life. It can start as a walk. I mean, you don't really have to start buying gym equipment. You can start with a walk. Making sure you sleep eight hours. Yeah. And making sure that you're not eating too much out of a packet, eating real food. And totally giving up sugar and junk, you know, or taper it down slowly so that you don't end up binge eating one day. Yeah. And give it all, smoking, those are good starts. But if, you know, overall, if you want to say that yeah, I want to live a very healthy life from now on, this is God has given me a second chance, you know, you could take it like that. So I would just say that eat, sleep well, yeah. reduce the stress of your life. Anger and depression can come from the fact that you don't have much to do. So find a hobby, Uh, finding ways to keep yourself busy and not feel overwhelmed by this whole experience because this whole experience has been a very new experience for most of us who have not stayed home. You know, take it in a positive sense that, okay, lockdown actually is going to help me or, you know, further, the new normal is going to be very helpful because I think the parties are not going to happen very soon. And that way, there will be no peer pressure of alcohol and food. So I think just correcting the basics is the easiest thing. Just don't open a packet. I think packet foods are the worst foods to consume at any time. It's only for
1: emergencies.
0: You know, and they, it's they can a be good totally
1: time to build that habit, right? Because there's so much paranoia with ordering food from outside right now. So even if you really want to have something, you are still a little hesitant, you know, you're like, no, maybe I should put it off by a week or so. And, and that's a good way to sort of build this healthy lifestyle and this healthy eating. But that being said, the one thing that has become harder for most of us is exercise. Yeah. So yeah. how are some yeah. ways in which you have been making sure that you get your daily dose of exercise? And I don't know how many times you exercise a week. So maybe you can start by telling us what your exercise routine is like.
0: I exercise for mental health, mostly, you know, I mean, physical health is like a side effect of it. I do some kind of workout or cardio in the morning and some weight training in the evening or vice versa. For me, it's very me to work out because if I don't work out, I get stressed out and um, I have been a stress eater in the past. For me, this is more de-stressing somebody who's starting everybody doesn't have a home gym so i would just say do like a video or class of like zumba or do something which is easier burpees push-up squat three exercises can totally change your life i think getting in at least half an hour of exercise
1: half an hour to 40 minutes
0: is, is pretty good i'm saying even seven minutes of activity is not bad if you can do something
1: yeah and so you do it seven days a week Pretty
0: much every day. It's like a routine for me. It's like eating and sleeping. I don't exert so much that I need a rest day. For me, it's like if I'm eating food, I have to exercise. For me, it's inbuilt in my system. So.
1: And do you think doing exercise for the other benefits has helped you keep that routine going? Because I think a lot of people struggle with... The thing is, with exercise, it takes a while to see physical results. So people get demotivated very quickly. If they end up missing a day here or there, they fall out of practice completely. So how do you avoid all of those things? Yeah, a lot of people think that exercise will
0: change your body very quickly or will not change your body. Exercising is just to keep your metabolic machinery running. It is never to be used as a single tool for weight loss. It will always be combined with a good food habit. So to see dramatic change in your workout, in your body through a workout, the diet on the side is completely different. So for me also, if I need to see a change from like I'm a size 6 right now, if I need to be a size 2 or a size 4, which I don't need to be, but if I'm just giving an example, so somebody who wants to be thinner, they'll have to change their diet to see that result. Because exercising will not provide that difference. But on the other hand, there are people who exercise a lot and still don't find a change, even though they're eating okay, because they are not getting a fat burning mode. A lot of people exercise wrong. So a lot of people have to tone down a little bit to exercise. Fat burning mode is actually low intensity workouts. So you have to keep all that in perspective if you're looking for a change through exercise. And for me, mental health is one thing. But for me, exercise is like a neen ki dawai. There's so many aspects for me which are related to exercise.
1: We at some point touched upon how when I started breaking out, I realized that there was something wrong with my internal health. So our skin is a great mirror of our internal health, right? And to a large extent, what we eat kind of shows on our skin. So your skin is obviously stunning. Uh, I can see it radiating. (laughs) What are some of the things that for the sake of your skin, you do not eat or you avoid as far as possible? And what are some of the things that you have more of? So,
0: you know, skin has to be worked on. And I wasn't always a healthy eater. I've been a bad eater for a good amount of time in my life. Some things I just don't eat is any packet food. I don't eat bread. Bread is something that I will rarely have if there's nothing in the house and there's only a toast left. I don't eat too much of sweets. You know, for me, sweets are these figs and dates and dark chocolate chips, you know, something <laughs> like that. I've not eaten these things. Like, I don't eat bulgape, I don't eat chard. It's yeah. just, I have programmed myself. I wasn't always like that. But over the last many years, I've programmed not to eat these because I don't feel good. My skin doesn't feel good, My stomach doesn't feel good. so you know the body tells you this food is not for you. Those are things I just don't eat. and what more I eat, I drink lots of water. I definitely eat one to two cucumbers a day. I've been doing that since I don't know how long, and I eat salad pretty much every day. Okay. Salad is a craving that I have. So, I'm not saying that I'm always eating healthy. But I'm not eating very unhealthy also. So I eat like a bowl of broccoli every third day. Big on antioxidants. I don't eat too many fruits. I generally eat twice a week. A melon or a kiwi. Is there a reason why you don't have the
1: fruits?
0: Yeah, so I think the fruits are very high in sugar. So they make me hungrier later. Okay. So I generally stick to very few fruits. Because I have seen if I have a bowl of fruit... The whole day I want to keep eating something, you know, I have seen this. This is my body. One has to know. The day you're feeling very hungry, you have to know what happened, what's wrong, you know, read into your body. There's something that you did that you're reacting to. Unnecessary hunger, there's a reason to it. So for me, too much fruit is a reason. So like I want to have a mango, i have a slice of mango maybe once a week. Yeah. I feel that a lot of people get too much sugar even through
1: fruits, which is unnecessary. A few more quick questions and then we'll wrap up the conversation. One of the questions that I have for you is that, so what are the three biggest food myths according to you? Biggest food myths?
0: (laughs) Oh, there's so many myths. Protein will injure my kidneys. Okay. Fat will fat. And right now it's egg and chicken will cause coronavirus. (laughs)
1: Love it. The next quick question, as Indians, we love our chai and we're big chai drinkers. So how good or bad is that? Awesome. Awesome. It's great to have chai. Okay, moving on to the next thing. What are the biggest benefits of fasting? Fasting basically
0: regenerates your cells of the body, you know, basically it causes something called death of bad cells and regeneration of new good cells. So that's one best benefit of fasting. Second, it causes the insulin to be controlled because there's no spike of insulin when you're fasting. So you have a well-controlled insulin throughout the day. I think the weight is the biggest benefit of fasting. So if you want to lose weight, fasting is the easiest way to do that.
1: And the last the quick question is, what are the three foods that you cannot stand? I cannot stand ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like jalebis
0: at all. I don't like that matthi. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: (laughs) So I want to wrap up this session by touching upon something that I think for years, especially women, but also men have faced. And that's body image issues. Because of the fashion industry, because of the magazines that we look at, because of celebrities, because of the entertainment industry. It's only recently that all of these industries have been more inclusive and they've promoted a healthier body image. But still, we grew up with certain types of ads and certain types of magazines. So for us, that's been deep-rooted. So I'm sure it's good for the generations that are coming, but for us, being skinny or having that high gap or having fat in just the right place. So there's so many issues, right, that these different industries have seeded in us. So how can one start developing a healthier body image where they are as their body is? I think the
0: only thing I have learned, I had a bad body image issue. The only way I have recovered is with the help of telling myself in the mirror, you look fine, you look beautiful the way you are. You have fat at certain pockets. You know, I'm a mom of two, so I have fat in some areas and I can't get rid of it. I don't want to go under the knife. I'm fine. You keep telling yourself there should be a positive reinforcement from your own self when you are standing naked in front of the mirror that you are fine. You're just fine by looking at someone's body. We shouldn't be judging them. It's fine to have a bigger body. It's fine to have a nice voluptuous body. It's okay. I mean, you're sexy for yourself. It doesn't matter who else thinks that you are perfect or not perfect, you know. It is important to love yourself no matter what you are. You lose hair, you still love yourself. You have to love yourself and hug yourself like this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, I love it. And that's so true because... You know, there's some people and they may not fall into society's ideal of how they look, but they're so comfortable in their own skin that they radiate a sense of confidence that maybe even the most beautiful person as far as certain standards of society go may not. And that person is somehow much more attractive than anyone else. And I think, like you said, by telling yourself, slowly, slowly, slowly you inch towards yes. feeling a little more comfortable in your skin every day you will find your own self more attractive and thus become more attractive as well so yes. <laughs> yeah. this yes. is so much fun thank you for wearing your heart and your sleeve and sharing some of your personal experiences with us thank you very much Manjita take care take care, bye with that we come to an end of this episode I truly hope that you implement the advice that Dr. Anjali so beautifully imparted. You can reach out to her on her Instagram handle which is at the rate Anjali Huda MD that's A-N-J-A-L-I-H-O-O-D-A-M-D or through her website that's www.dranjali.com. Next week's guest is another charming lady Dr. Kiran Sethi. We talk about skincare, gut health, and eating for your skin. So that you don't miss that episode or any other future episodes, make sure to click on the subscribe button or the bell icon. You can also follow our Instagram handle, which is at the rate heart on my official, for behind the scenes footage, future guests, personal growth content and to become a more active member of the HOMES community. See
0: you next week. Bye! This original, thank you for listening to Hubhopper Original. If you want to launch your podcast, then you register to the Hubhopper Studio website and in one minute, launch your own own podcast yourself.